everybody. Go ahead and have a seat. Uh, this is the first year that we've had a Christmas tree. So, yeah, that was uh, donated. So thank you uh, to those who donated the tree and the decorations. Um, and uh, John announced it earlier, but I want to I wanna remind us, the, the, is anybody, who's planning on going to Modesto in January for the parenting conference? As long as we don't have a baby yet. As long as you don't have a baby yet. Well, you already have a baby. <laughs> so, um, so if there's there's uh, information on the website for hotels to get up there that are close to the uh, uh, the location, uh, they are you know safe. Uh, sometimes you can't trust uh, online resources because you don't know how clean or safe the place is. So all of that is on the website. Give them grace 2016com uh, and then also, if anybody's interested, we're not going to really like officially announce this one because it's so close to the parenting conference, but we were also invited to a marriage conference down in Burbank in February. It's actually Valentine's Day weekend. So if anybody's interested in, in doing that, uh, let me know, um, and I can get you that information. It's with a couple of Acts 29 churches uh, down there um, that are putting that on. They invited us to be a part of that also, but because it's so close to the parenting conference, uh, cost-wise, we're just going to kind of unofficially announce that, throw that out. But um, so with that, um, I think that that was everything that I needed to hit at the, at the forefront here. But um, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. And, and uh, just as a reminder, since uh, the, the older kids are in with us today, uh, that for taking notes for you guys, if you guys uh, want to write down what you see on the screen, that is great. You can also draw pictures of something that you that you hear uh, said, or something that, that causes, if something is said that causes you to think about that, then you can draw pictures of that also. We want to encourage you guys uh, to learn how to uh, take notes um, and study God's Word and learn, um, and learn about Jesus and learn to obey Jesus. But this morning's text uh, is actually the one that I have personally been looking most forward to throughout this whole series since I planned it actually last December. Um, and that is this, that perfect Love casts out fear. And for a moment, before we really get into to, to the, the, the actual text this morning, um, oh, that's a typo, my bad. Um, can somebody fix that? Because it's going to drive my wife crazy all morning. Uh, but before we get actually into the text, I want to remind us for a moment um, where we're at and, and why John wrote this book. Um, because all of this matters in the context. Remember, this, this book was written to, to bring peace and comfort and reassurance to this church that was struggling because there was a false teaching that rose up with, from among them, and it got so popular that there was a church split. Many people left. And whenever that happens, it causes those who stay to wonder and to worry, right? And, and, and to doubt is probably a good word to sum it all up with. And so this church was doubting. And so in the midst of this, John says here this morning, we're going to see that perfect love casts out fear. And fear is something that we can, all, it puts us all on a level playing field, right? Like we are all, fear is something that we all know. Fear, fear is none of us are, um, are exempt from fear. And there are many things that we fear. It, you know, like if, if I did research on fear this week, and, and the, the list of the most th- things that are feared the most is just, there are so many things that 
we can fear, right? And then there's the reality of, of terror and hate and evil and sin, right? And so something as what used to be as common as sending our kids to school can strike the utmost fear in, in our veins. Going to a movie theater has never been the same, right? All of these things. And so John says this morning that, that perfect love casts out fear. And he doesn't say this in a general statement as in, listen, don't fear because perfect love casts out fear. But there are three specific fears that he talks about in these verses this morning that we're going to walk through and explore where John says, don't fear because perfect love casts out fear. So let's read 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world, so that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to, the, to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, then God abides in Him and He in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in Him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as He is as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he loved us first. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. God, this morning I pray that um, you would uh, use me, God, to magnify your love for your people. And that, um, God, the, the point of this message and the truth that perfect love casts out fear, Lord, that it would go, become um, shining through in our lives. We thank you that we have a God who promises that he has cast out fear. I pray, God, that today we would see that clearly in this text. We pray this in your great name. Amen. Amen. Fear. Let me give you the definition of fear. Fear. It's an unpleasant emotion. (laughs) Not pleasant, but an unpleasant emotion. Caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain, or is a threat. What's key about that definition, though, is that it's a belief. 
There are things that can be terrifying that you do not have to fear, which is crazy. Sometimes we will have fears, things that scare us to death, and someone else will go walk up and touch that thing that's got us paralyzed. Right? That spider didn't lose, it didn't change any characteristics, but I'm not afraid of it, and you are. You're not afraid of it, and I am. Heights. Nothing changes about how high you are, right, or the platform on which you're standing at those heights, but some people, they're just paralyzed. Other people aren't. But fear is a belief. And as we, I think it's so key for us to understand that because as he says right here in verse 16, he says, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. You see, life is a series of beliefs. Everybody believes something. Everybody believes something about everything. Maybe you have, your belief is you don't care and it doesn't matter to you. Maybe your belief is you're opposed to it. Maybe your belief is right in support of it. But we all have beliefs and life is made up of beliefs. Christianity is no different. For us to be Christian is simply to believe in accordance with God's word. For somebody to be of a different religion, it simply means that they believe according to what that religion teaches. And so belief and fear both are something that we are immersed in every day. There's no separating them. And the entire basis of this, of this message this morning is the assumption that, that God has perfectly loved us. Because if we don't assume that or believe that, then there is no room for the love to be casted out because it doesn't say love casts out fear. It says perfect love casts out fear. And so rather than just simply assuming that, I want to take a few quick moments and I want to give you Two proofs in this text of perfect love. Okay? Two proofs of perfect love in this text. Verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world that we might live through Him. So the first proof that John gives before he declares that perfect love casts out fear is that God wants us to live. And not only does God want us to live, but God wants us to live, and God has made a way for us to live. That is a proof of perfect love. You see, imperfect love is a love that says, I want to live, and I want you to make a way for me to live. And if, if that is the love by which you operate, the love that, that drives the way that you, quote-unquote, love people, then then sadly you fall into that category where John says that if you don't love your brother, you don't, you don't know the love of God. The love of God isn't in you. Because that is the complete opposite of God's love. God's love wants others to live so much so that it, it, it moves, it has moved, it has acted so that they could live. Now remember, we're not talking about living and breathing here on earth, although God very clearly does sustain every breath we take. What we're talking about is eternal. God wants us to live eternally. And the opposite of that is death. And we're not talking about death as in ceasing to exist. 
Scripture uses death to, to, as, a, as a word to sum up the, 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 the truth that you cease to ex- you exist. However, you exist outside the presence of God. God's grace no longer is involved in your life. And life means that you are continually and eternally and perpetually in the presence of God and His grace. Verse 10 is the second proof of perfect love that John gives them. He says, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, if you remember in chapter 2, John uses that word propitiation in chapter 2 also. And it simply means that, 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 there, that, God, that um, wrath is appeased because a sacrifice has been made on your behalf. You see, God's wrath isn't turned away so that His wrath doesn't exist or so that He doesn't act upon that wrath. That's not what Christians believe. We believe that God's wrath is good and it is just and that He has acted upon it. And for those who believe... Do not receive that wrath because Christ took that wrath. Now think of this. We're all here together. Who knows how many times we've told one another we love each other. A teaching rises up and we split. What happened to all those I love yous? What happened? Where do they go? What does it mean? So in the midst of all of that uncertainty and that heartfelt emotion of people leaving, John reminds them, that's not love. This is love. This is perfect love. A love that wants you to live. A love that has made a way for you to live. A love that has made a way for you to live in accordance with God's righteous and justice so that you wouldn't experience the wrath that your sins deserve. And that's what he says in verse 17. He says, by this, by what? By these things that we just talked about, the proofs of love. By this love perfected, by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because he, as he is, also we are in this world. You see, John is encouraging and assuring this church that although destruction and death are given to those that oppose God and His plan for salvation, love, life, and peace are given to those who believe in His plan. Because remember a couple weeks ago, this is on the heels of John writing to them that the Son of Man came to what? He came to destroy the works of the enemy. And so, like, whenever we hear this news, we always are like, okay, am I in, am I out? Like, how do I have to position myself, right? Like, we're like, am I in the destruction or am I in the life, right? Am I in the blessing or am I in the curse? And so John is, is assuring them that although death and destruction await for those who oppose God and His plan for salvation, life and peace are given to those who believe, And that's what he tells them in verse 16. By this we have come to know and to believe in the love of God. And then in verse 18 he says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. How I wish I would have known this truth so many years ago. 
how much I wish I would believe this truth every day of my life. Because the three, the three fears that perfect love casts out are fears that every one of us can associate with. They're not heights, <laughs> right? They're, they're the, it's not animals, right? For, for those of you young, young boys in here, it's not a fear that, that the Lego factory is going to run out of plastic to make Legos, right? That's not the fears we're talking about. But the first fear that we see that perfect love casts out is a fear of God. A fear of God himself. We do not have to live in fear of God. We do not have to walk in this life and wonder at every turn, at every decision, at every sin, if we are going to be struck down or beaten as an abused father would do to his children. We do not have to fear that God is just an overzealous judge who is waiting to not exact justice, but exact punishment. We don't have to live that way. God's perfect love of wanting us to live and of making a way for us to live through His Son casts out this fear of God. Verse, 20, or verse 10, and then again in chapter 2, verse 22, John uses that word propitiation. And, and what's funny about when you read, if you sit down and you read 1 John all the way through, like that word propitiation is an odd word in this book, okay? Not because of what it means or what it stands for or the truth that he's trying to, to relay, but John just doesn't use big words. John, John just uses, you know, layman's words that are easy uh, to understand, but but he, he is so dead set on the way that God has loved the world, John 3.16, the same author, is by sending his only son as the sacrifice to absorb, to receive the wrath of God. That whoever believes in that should not perish, but have eternal life. Again, it's not that God doesn't punish, but for those who believe that Jesus is the Messiah and those who believe and live according to God's plan of salvation, that wrath that our sins deserve has already been poured out on Christ. That's why we don't want to take the blood out of the cross. The blood has to be in the cross. Because without it, Christ isn't punished and tortured and bruised and stricken in a way that our sins deserve. A bloodless cross has no power to forgive a rapist. A bloodless cross has no power to forgive a murderer, an adulterer, of which we are all one. We have all hated. We have all lusted. We have killed. We have committed adultery. But because of perfect love, listen, because of perfect love, we no longer have to fear punishment. But why do we live our lives constantly in fear of punishment? You know, when we catch um, our kids lying, one of the things we'll constantly ask them is, why did you lie? I don't know. No, that's, you know. You just are afraid or ashamed to tell me. Let's just talk. We're just talking right now. Why did you lie? 
because I didn't want to get in trouble. We have an innate fear of punishment that causes us to act in a way that we perceive will better our situation and lessen the punishment. So we cover up, we cover up, we cover up. That is true in our missional communities when we sit across dinner tables and eat together. That is true in our men's and women's groups when we gather around God's Word to to study His Word and to encourage one another to believe it. How is it true? It's true because we cover our sins rather than confessing them. We cover them. We hide them because we don't want them to be exposed. We think we're going to be punished, whether it's punishment from God or whether it's punishment from you because you're no longer going to perceive me as esteemed as I think you perceived me before. But perfect love casts out the fear of God. And because perfect love, we no longer have to fear punishment. How freeing. Can you, can you imagine yourself living a life that doesn't fear punishment? Now, of course, this doesn't mean we're thinking about a utopia where we get to do whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want, without fear of punishment. It's not like that fear of anger when somebody wrongs us that says, if I could kill you right now and get away with it, I would. That's not what we're talking about. But we're talking about living in complete harmony with God's ways. Never having to fear punishment because our desire is never against His ways. Perfect love casts out the fear of God. Many, many people that we encounter on a daily basis fear God. How many times have you heard in your life somebody say they can't come to church because they'll get struck down at the door? What are they saying? Do they fear the door? No. What do they fear? Punishment of God. That's what they're telling you. And so rather than getting frustrated, we should celebrate that they tell us that because now we know where they're not believing. And now we know how we can begin to speak the truth and how we can... Listen, we we, we don't want to... Sorry, Amanda, I'm going to talk about killing birds. Listen, (laughs) when we we witness to one another, right, it's not as if we have a shotgun and we're out, you know, quail hunting and it's got a huge pattern that we're just hoping to hit one of birds that are in a covey of 50, right? No, we we, want to have... We want to be like snipers, focused in, one shot, one target. We don't need to address the issues of their heart that aren't there. We want to address specifically area, specific areas of their heart where they're not believing. We want to hone in. We want to pray that way, specifically, that God would overcome that unbelief. Right? That, that, that God would reveal the truth in that area of unbelief. And in our city, a city that is about image, a city that is about good works, a city that is about religion, it is a city that fears God. Our neighbors, our city fears God. But they don't have to. Perfect love casts out fear. The second fear that perfect love casts out is eternity. Which makes sense, right? If you don't fear God, you're not going to fear eternity. You would think it makes sense, but many people I know that do love God fear eternity. They live like they fear eternity. 
Verse 17, he says this. John writes this to, to this struggling church. He says, By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. The confident, do you know that, that um, sorry, I lost my spot. Fear of dying is the sixth most common fear. Number six. Public speaking is number two. You know what's not on the list? Fear of God. Because people don't realize that they fear God in in their other fears, if that makes sense. You cannot fear death and dying and not fear God at the same time. You can't make that distinction but it's the sixth most, co- most common fear behind flying is number one, public speaking is number two, heights three, dark is four, intimacy is five, fear is sixth. Ephesians chapter two, verses four through six said this, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ, and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. We don't have to fear eternity. We don't have to fear eternity boring if your idea of eternity is sitting on a cloud playing a harp. We don't have to fear eternity because we are... um, outside of God's plan. Everything will be as it should be. Perfect. We will all be living and get this working and loving and caring and perfect harmony with God's created order and His heart. We don't have to fear it because we don't know it. But because of perfect love, we no longer have to fear death. We can have confidence on the day of judgment. What is, listen, he is proclaiming to them that we can have confidence on the day of judgment. Why? What is his confidence in? Is his confidence in his own ability to follow God and do what he says when he says it? No, his confidence is in the propitiation that God offered by sending his son. We don't have to fear eternity because the propitiation of Jesus taking the wrath of God for undeserving sinners was sufficient. It was complete. It was final. Shall we say it was enough that we can have confidence as sinners before a perfect and holy God on the day of judgment. Listen, that is good news. Our hearts, our souls, our minds should be leaping with joy right now. That is such good news. We don't have to fear God because He's loved us perfectly. We don't have to fear eternity because He has loved us perfectly. And third, 
we don't have to fear loneliness, which is also the eighth most common fear. Let's read verses 20 through 21 together again. He says this, he says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Do you know that you can expect, you can expect and even really um, demand that the church loves you? Did you ever think about that? Fear, why is fear of loneliness? Think, think, think back to the garden with me. Adam and Eve. Creation is almost complete. Adam is there. He looks at all that God has made. And what does he notice? What does Adam notice? That there wasn't anything like him. Yeah. He was the only of his kind. And what does God say? It's not good for man to be alone. So he makes him a suitable helper. The deep seated fear of loneliness is there via God. It's not a sinful desire to want to be with people. It's not a sinful desire to not want to be lonely. It becomes sinful depending on how you fill that void, right? Like we can definitely go down sinful paths, which we all do, but it is a God-given desire to not want to be alone. It's a good thing. So much so that it's what Adam, in a perfect state before sin, before temptation, Adam recognizes it because I'm alone. This is great. Who am I going to share it with? God says it's not good. And in verse 20 and 21, John, listen, he there's, there's no misinterpreting what John says here. If you don't love your brothers and sisters in Christ, then you don't love God. It's not this, and listen, I've heard it many times in my life. I've probably said it, but I've heard it more times than I said it, I hope. I, I, I have to love you, but I don't have to like you. Right? Like, there's this, this distinction that we draw, whereas by saying that I love you, I must be really loving you. That's not true. That's not true at all. What is love? It's a desire to see people live. It is is actions that follow that desire to make a way for people to live. If we don't have a desire to see one another live. And if we don't go out of our way and reorient our lives around the gospel so that others will live, then we have every right to question whether or not we love God and God abides in us. You can't separate it. You can't say, oh, those people are really good at it. We'll cheer them on. You can't. It's not me, it's, it's God. This is what he says. He says, and this is a commandment. It's, it's, it's a command from God. It's a directive of how we are to live. How do we know if we love God? If we, how, how, how do you know if you, if you um, lay on your bed at night wondering whether or not you're saved? How do you know if you're saved? Do you love other people? 
not in a way that makes sure that you live and not in a way that causes them to make sure that you live, but in a way that's, that, that, that has a desire for them to live and makes a way for them to live? Do you love people that way? Let's just start easy. Do you love your spouse that way? Maybe that's starting hard. Do you love your spouse that way? Do you love your kids that way? Listen, and I don't want to say this in a narcissistic way, so I have to be careful, but do you love yourself that way? Not in a way that makes sure that all of your desires and, you know, are, are, are brought to, to pass and, and, and that you're, you're constantly pampered and comforted by others. That's, that's not love. But do you love yourself in a way that you live in a way that makes sure that you live? Or do you spend your time and your money and your emotions and your wills and your desires on things that only lead to death and destruction? Do you spend time with God reading your word so that you would be built up? When you're down and when you're conflicted or when you're sad and when you're feeling rejected, do you run to what? Television, beer, ice cream, porn, gossip magazine. Do you run to those things? Or do you run to what will give you life and bring peace and comfort that lasts? Whoever loves God must also, it's a commandment, you must also love your brother. This is why we believe in the local church. This is why we believe in and, and membership, uh, we call it covenant partnership in the church. I'm meeting your needs to help you meet your needs and to fill in the gap when there's a gap. But you're also committing the same to me. Not me as a pastor. I'm talking us together as brothers and sisters in the Lord. Are you loving your brothers? Because of perfect love, we no longer have to fear being alone. God, in His sovereignty, in His design of creation, has made a way so that we will not be alone. So remember, fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain, or it is a threat. So this morning, do you believe that God's perfect love casts out fear? Do you believe it? Do you believe, listen, listen, don't miss this. Do you believe that God has already perfectly loved you? Or when you hear that statement, do you say, yeah, God has done this, but if this happens, then I will feel perfectly loved? Because God has already perfectly loved you. No blanks need to be filled in. No blessings need to be added no easier life, bigger house, nicer car needs to be given. None of that has to be added unto you. You have been perfectly loved. Believe that. Believe in God's perfect love that casts out fear. Does the way you live your life say that you believe perfect love casts out fear?
When you sin, what's your response? Do you cover it because you're afraid of punishment? Or are you quick to confess it and rejoice that God has already poured out the wrath for that sin on his son so that you could live? Listen, it's not only so that we can live, but it's so that we can live without God's wrath. It's not like God walks around up there mumbling, saying, ah, I'd already given it to Christ. If I wouldn't, I sure would smack you. Like, that's not God. He's perfectly satisfied in the punishment he has already given to Christ on our behalf. Rejoice in that. Confess your sins one to another. Be a person who is quick to perfectly love when others confess their sins to you. Don't punish them by the way you judge them or treat them. But be one who is quick to rejoice with them that Christ has already covered that. God loves you. He's pleased with you. He's not pleased in that behavior. By no means. But that behavior doesn't dictate your position before God. Does the way you love the church say that you believe perfect love casts out fear? If you're here this morning and you don't believe that God's perfect love casts out fear, or maybe you want to believe it, but you struggle to believe it, then simply ask God to help you to believe it. If you want to believe it, he has already touched your heart. You might not realize that yet. You might not know that yet. Nobody wants God on their own. If you want to believe that God's perfect love casts out fear, then you do believe. You just need that belief to be strengthened. Ask God to strengthen it. Live life with your church so that your belief will be strengthened. If you're here this morning and you do believe, then continue in your belief. Don't waver. It's Christmas season. This was a Christmas message. Did you realize that? Love your brothers and your sisters. Seek the good of the less fortunate. Don't withhold giving to those who need because you've spent on those who don't really need. And I know for our specific missional community, it's going to get a little challenging here because we have a few needs coming up. And I'm going to just going to challenge us publicly to give sacrificially to it. And if that goes for your other MCs, then the challenge is for you guys as well. Right? Christmas is not about our kids. Christmas is about God's propitiation. His punishment for sin being poured out on his own son so that we could become his sons and daughters. If you'll stand with me, we'll pray. God, I pray this morning that, that um, I thank you this morning, God, and ask for all of us that struggle, God, to believe. Whether we've never initially believed, and that's where our struggle lies, I pray, God, that you would overcome that struggle, God. And Lord, that, that you would give us the strength to come to know and believe in the love of God. 
Lord, that, that, that we would be like John. And, and as John writes in this section of Scripture, he also says um, that, that we are a testament for future generations that God loves us. And so I pray, God, that, that we would be um, identified with John because you have allowed us to believe that your perfect love casts out fear. And Lord, for those of us who have initially believed in Christ and we follow him and, and we, are, we are marked by the cross, God, give us the strength to believe ever more and even more deeply that perfect love casts out fear. Help us, God, to know that you have loved us perfectly so we do not have to fear you. You have loved us perfectly so we do not have to fear uh, eternity. You loved us perfectly so we do not have to fear being alone. Thank you, God, for casting out fear. This morning, we're going to take